As I got another rhyme, another rhythm for y'all to listen. I'm never quitting on my mission. I'ma roll with what I'm giving. Got some ambition, this new edition, filling positions. Looking at the void in myself and feeling what's missing. Better watch the way you're going. Better go in the right direction. In the moment you stressing, but you gon' be counting blessings. And I know that for certain. Keep on working, open curtains. Haters swerving, cause they ain't ready for your final version. I'm never gonna give up, give up. Fall down, I just gotta get up, get up. You're listening to the Toxic and Show on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, your home for community radio. Good morning and afternoon and evening to everyone. I want to I kind of start that way in terms of the Tom Ficklin show because it's tomorrow in Australia. But also, I think there's something uh, pertinent when we talk about eternal time, because uh, man's time is really as referenced by tomorrow being it being in Australia is really a, a, a social invention, um, maybe even a political invention. But I like sometimes I like to kind of just uh, spend the shows thinking about things that are beyond, not necessarily beyond time and space, but s- some eternal issues that still be seem to be manifesting themselves in our current realities. And so, for example, today, um, and hopefully not too many for not too many tomorrows, we're still dealing with the Middle East crisis. And I'm Really blessed to have uh, Reverend Dr. Frederick J. Streets with me. Um, I, I was looking at, at Jerry's uh, resume and his his curriculum vita, and it's we would spend another Jerry another hour and a half on that. But I guess want to kind of if I if I recited it, but I guess wanted to mention with your being the uh, adjunct associate professor of divinity and social work at the Yale Divinity School, but and your bachelor's from Ottawa University in Kansas, and your MDiv the uh, Divinity School. I won't mention what year, but it was a few few years ago. But also G- Reverend Streets uh, is, has a MS, Master's of Social Work and Doctor of Social Work uh, from, from Yeshiva University. And he's also taught there. Um, and um, also the DD from, from, from Ottawa again. Uh, Jerry's been on the battlefield for an, a number of years. He's, he has a few scars, but he still has uh, been able to survive and revive and resurrect himself, but I'll let him tell tell your story. But he's going to share with us something that he uh, submitted to one of our local newspapers here in the state of Connecticut in terms of the uh, October 6th situation. But way before that, many years before that, uh, and Jerry's been involved with speaking to Black and Jewish groups. Uh, my mind goes, Jerry, to the various uh, Martin Luther King Day events that you would, you would speak at, and then you and Ra- Rabbi Brockman, and you and Benita, and Reverend Grubbs, that is, um, and just teaching and traveling uh, to to the to the Middle East, to to the to the Holy Ground. Also teaching and 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 traveling to to South Africa. So, so Jerry, good morning. Good morning, Tom. Good to be good. with you and, and your audience, of course. Thank you. So, so you you had mentioned before we kind of started uh, that you submitted a, a letter, kind of a letter to the editor, and I was so pleased to hear that. Because so much, I think, is on our our mind and soul and heart uh, t- in terms of this travail, this tragedy, this possible even pan- pandemic that's kind of erupting in the Middle East. And so, share with it, if you would with folks uh, some of the letter. We'll kind of walk through uh, some of your thoughts and feelings. Not that we'll be able to solve problems today, but I think we can solve at least minimize or at least uh, uh, help to orchestrate our angst, orchestrate our next steps, or- orchestrate orchestrate how we should bring some harmony individually and collectively, not, a, not only to humanity, but to particularly to the Middle East. Well, thank you, uh, Tom. Uh, the, the letter to the editor that I wrote um, has received uh, 
both positive and negative responses, uh, depending upon one's course worldview and experiences. Um, I open the letter by saying that Hamas nor anyone else can justify the recent murder and torture of women, men, and children in Israel, and that rationalizing this inhumane behavior adds to the uh, amoral action of those who perpetrated such violence upon innocent people, and that political arguments supporting murderous actions promote this kind of violence around the world and as a means justifying ends. And so there are certain situations um, where violence seems to be inevitable, but the, but the deeper concern I have is when violence becomes preferable mm. to other ways by which conflicts can be resolved. Now we know that this problem in the middle in Middle East between Israel and Gaza and uh, uh, Jewish people and Palestinians, some of which are also Jewish. Um, it's very complicated, a long history. It's about religion and culture and ethnicity. It's also about geopolitics, mm -hmm. who, will be, who will be in control of some strategic areas in the Middle East as represented by Israel and Gaza and the Suez Canal, which uh, is a major transport uh, between um, uh, Middle East and Europe and the United States. So there's there's so many so many um, dimensions to this, and what we hear uh, as average citizens, we hear it as primarily uh, a conflict between uh, Jews and non-Jews, and or uh, an ethnic kind of conflict of which that is a part of it. Um, you know, some some are arguing that. The only solution is a two-state solution, and, and that it remains to be seen, and a lot of details would have to go into that. When I hear about the idea of a two-state solution, I'm reminded a little bit of the, uh, the history, our history here in the United States as, as, as African-Americans and, and American history in general, that after the Civil War, you know, the there was this whole effort to have Confederate states. <laughs> and um, yeah. although we, we talk of ourselves as we should as the United States under a, a universal federalist government, <clears throat> which I think is still a, a good model, um, we still have people in states that would, if they could succeed and become their own, <laughs> their mm -hmm. own state, their own entity, they, they 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 would prefer at least that's their that's their expressed goals. Mm -hmm. um, but you know it's so it's 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 I don't mean to trivialize this idea because of of a two state solution and like those who wanted Confederate states over what we now call the United States. Um, but we're uh, but we're all under the canopy of the same sky. We're mm. all subject to the scarcity of resources, food and shelter and water. We, you, you know, there is no, there is no uh, American water and European water. There, there's no mm -hmm. Palestinian water and Jewish water. Um, it, we, we, we fight 
as if we have a certain kind of autonomy that totally ignores our mutual independence and our commonality as human beings. And all that gets gets blind, uh, mixed up and, and diminished by the political and sometimes, not, not sometimes, the political and religious ways in which people have decided to um, to divide and, and see one another. Mm-hmm. I, I also said in this, this letter, uh, I'm quoting now, all of us must engage in being honest and telling the truth about the reality, origins, and pernicious character of racism, anti-Semitism, misogyny, and homophobia gripping the psychic and soul of many people in our world. The isms are only brutal manifestations of our ignorance and choosing to believe in our inequality based on our differences as human beings. Um, Now, in conversation with some people about this, uh, the pushback on my perspective taken in this letter to the editor dated Friday, October 13th, 2023, is that it, it ignores the brutality, according to some people, of, of Israel against Gaza and Palestinians, that uh, for over 70 years, there's been this building up in uh, of the West Bank and, and Israeli settlements uh, creating and reinforcing a very segregated world and treating people of Gaza and the Palestinians as less than full, full human beings. And we as Black people know what that feeling is like when you live in a segregated world where things are separate and unequal. Mm-hmm. And that certainly has been the social political case um, between Israel and Gaza, between Israel, Israelis and Palestinians. Um, but how do you sit down at a table with someone whose stature of being enemy is primarily framed by perhaps the mutual feeling that both parties need not need not exist? Mm. <laughs> how do you sit down? How do you sit down and talk with someone who promotes and has as a part of their ideology and campaign the fact that you shouldn't be on the face of the earth? Where, where do you start? Well, you know, that narrative has to change and there has to be a um, a realization that both parties have an equal right to safety, security, and to life, mm-hmm. and that they're mutually capable of enhancing those resources or they're also capable of destroying it. And in the, in the face of destroying it, they they run the risk of promoting this kind of um, this kind of um, individualism uh, around the world. Um, as is the case now, we see so many outbreaks against Arabs and Israelis, against Jews and Christians, blacks and white people around the world. It has the same it has the same character, the same feature of power, and defining other people as less than human, and therefore they ought to be treated as such and even eliminated from the face of the earth. The reason I'm pausing there, because it's so so profound, profound in terms of lift, lifting up this 
concept of of, of humanity and and it's it's uh it's worth lifting it up jerry take us back a little bit if you if you want or if you're if you're the spirit moves you you were in bosnia you, you you've been in uh south africa and i want people to understand that again this this historic we're, we're, we're part of this historical moment at at, at for, for better or for worse our children our grandchildren uh our memory bank what we think and and do regarding trying to bring this peace on earth good goodwill toward women men and children we're entering that that period now between now and and christmas and hanukkah etc but well, what does your experience tell you as you you're your licensed social worker? You've dealt with people that have been experiencing trauma throughout the world in the United States and Bridgeport, as well as in in Europe and and Africa. And you, I was thinking about your teaching also at the uh, Hartford. I think this was the Hartford Seminary at that point. Uh, just in terms of pastoral, the, the role of a pastor, in terms of pastoral counseling. Uh, what what is your what what is your what is your heart saying to you these days uh, about our ability to? replicate Rodney Rodney King can we all get along <laughs> well you know one of my mentors a name that you're familiar with um, Howard Thurman used to teach about the need for what he described as psychic surgery mm. that there has to be a reordering of the way in which we think about our mutuality and our and to create a space for common ground now those are nice words and phrases but that but the reality is that's exactly what needs to happen and religious leaders of all stripes uh, need to really uh, i would love to see a, a, a global campaign promoting mm -hmm. um the fact of our equality as human beings mm -hmm. uh, and to tease it out in ways to keep it simple and straightforward um, just to remind people and to hopefully teach the generation coming behind us of the fact that we are uh, equal as human beings, creations of God or Allah or whatever way you might refer to the creator. Now, part of this problem is that you have people whose ideologies, be they religious or, or, um, or, or secular, uh, that frames human beingness as categorical, as as not equal, and mm -hmm. they base it upon their religion, which I think is a distortion of the meaning of, of of any religion. But that pushback about the inequality of people based upon race or ethnicity or culture or religion has to be strong and consistent generation mm -hmm. after generation. Mm -hmm. um, I've I've trained myself to think about and to speak about cultural and ethnic differences and not different races because mm -hmm. there's only one race. It's the human race. Mm -hmm. And so I've gotten to a point now that when I hear people say, you know, something like um, all the different races got to learn how to get along, you know, I immediately have a defensive the hearing people talk about different races is is um is 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 too simple and and it negates the deeper thinking that requires us to remember that we're all of one race mm -hmm. which is a human race so you mentioned my involvement um some of my involvements back in the late 70s one of the hot topics that came up was black jewish relationships 
and I took a delegation of um, African-American people from the greater Bridgeport area, along with members of the Jewish community. We went to Israel uh, uh, twice. I understand, at least I think I do, I understand aspects of their perspective about their own history, particularly when you think about the Holocaust and the fact that six million or more of Jewish people were eliminated while the rest of the world kind of ignored it and pretended it didn't happen. Uh, that's a, that's a, a vivid, deeply uh, ingrained reality and memory in the, in the history of Jewish people. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I have a sense of understanding their desire for security and peace and um, the threat it, it, they feel uh, with the anti-Semitism in the region as well as around the world. So I can I can understand the, the way in which they created a new state and that came out of a war, as you know, in conflict, as as will whatever happens now is coming out of, of, of this deep conflict, this war. Um, but but here's the here's part of the, the tension. Um, on one level, that fear and that reality of, of, of a group wanting you to no longer exist has propelled Israel to build the country that it has built so far, the military has built so far to protect itself and to respond to being, um, uh, respond to being fired upon, killed, et cetera. There's a part of, I think, all of us that could understand that defensiveness, that reaction. Now, Hamas and people like Hamas or Hezbollah and other ethnic groups who continue to seem to me to promote uh, this inferiority and therefore the need to eliminate Jewish people um, had to be confronted by their myopia, my, their racism. Israel has to also confront how over these 70 years, for whatever the reasons, it it has um, created such a segregated uh, world between themselves and Gaza and Palestinians, and how that segregated world uh, can and, and is often uh, a petri dish for mm -hmm. cultivating um, violence because human beings eventually will rise up when they feel oppressed. Mm -hmm. um, so again, it doesn't justify what happened um, a month, five weeks ago. But the point is that, uh, as I said it also in, in this note, is that um, I have friends in Israel and as an African-American, I know that what is happening there is not an isolated event. Mm -hmm. The hatred and the hatred of Israelis demonstrated by Hamas in Israel is what other terrorist groups are expressing throughout the world. An environment where lies and stereotypes about people are advanced and masquerade as truths encourages hate groups. This gives energy to animosity and hatred. Now, a, res a response to that kind of perspective is that when I say the hatred of Israelis demonstrated by Hamas, 
there'll be people who will say, but there's also been hatred uh, demonstrated by Israelis for Palestinians. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so um, it, it's it's not it's not as as um, black and white, you know. Mm -hmm. it, it's both both communities have perpetrated for different reasons, some of which might be thought of as understandable, but not preferable, uh, perpetrated violence uh, on one another. And so there's got to be a, a larger a larger vision that no matter what the political and economic uh, compromises that's going to come out of this, there's still the long-range challenge of dealing with the pain of the trauma mm. because people who have lost their loved ones, who've lost limbs, but particularly lost loved ones on both sides who survived this have the potential to be the next generation of mutual haters. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, so, uh, say, say that again, Jerry. <laughs> the, well, people on both sides, mm -hmm. Israelis, and Palestinians, excuse me, who have lost so tremendously and have experienced the losses and the trauma of, of of the last five weeks, until their pain is addressed in a lot of different ways and levels, it becomes a potential environment for future uh, hatred between the two groups. Mm -hmm. it, it's mm -hmm. There's got to be an intervention. Um, I'm not trying to make this sound it maybe it sounds romantic or idealistic, but in some ways, when Bishop Tutu, a beloved uh, friend of both of us, of ours, um, gave embodied the whole approach to the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, mm -hmm. regardless of how one evaluates his success or failure, it became the intervention between a potential uh, revenge approach from on the black South African side and the fear approach of being defensive and assuming they're going to be annihilated on the white South African side. Mm -hmm. And the truth and reconciliation created a space where it lowered that temperature of yes. fear and revenge uh, and set the stage for certain levels of healing. And that's, that's got to happen. Uh, going forward with the situation in Israel and Gaza. Because if it's not, you, I'm, you know, listen, you think think about children who saw their parents killed in front of them uh, or maimed or, or raped or whatever, and, they, and the child survived it, and even maybe their relatives. That those are wounds that they're, mm. they're that's suffering that's going to, to be there for, for, forever mm -hmm. and that has to be addressed uh in order for any political geopolitical economic solution to uh to take hold because the the tenderness of the pain going forward is, is can be so easily ignited you know mm -hmm. that it can disrupt uh, any future political uh, agreements and that 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 has to be the uh, broader agenda that's really um, dealing with this pain has to be a broader agenda 
that's that's upfront and done on a daily daily basis. Say say some more about that in, t- in terms of your your uh, MSW hat and your your doctor or social worker hat in terms of these scars because I think people they cognitively they they hear that and say oh you know that's true and they watch movies and TVs where you see that work manifesting itself as, as people uh, we've seen very a lot of movies and TV shows about this but what in terms of your your clinical training and your clinical pastoral training kind of let's kind of know that down a little bit more and emphasize that more in terms of what you see just the 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 tender the language is uh, some of the words are easy to express going back again I've been thinking a lot about Howard Thurman in light of what's been happening uh, along with my own understanding my own history as a African American but he so eloquently talked about um, decades ago in the book Jesus and the Disinherited how the oppressed and the oppressor occupy a system that that it, that oppresses both of them, even though there's a power, unequal uh, 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 power distribution. Uh, but the situation of 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 segregation and the ideology of racism reinforces fear, deception, and hatred. Mm-hmm. Um, and the combination of being afraid of those whom are or and or perceived as enemies, the internalization of the attitude of being a victim and or being an oppressor, both both identities as false, but they've been internalized that the suppress the, the oppressor thinks of themselves as superior, and the oppressed have to fight against internalizing the message of their inferiority and the combination of fear and deception is a is a formula for hatred so at some mm. point mm. you start hating being in a situation that is constantly telling you you're nobody and and being in a situation where you're being oppressed systemically um, on all different levels and that hatred then and that deception and that fear creates the environment for ongoing conflict and eventually boils over into the kinds of conflict, the kind of conflict we see um, not only in, in in the Middle East, but even uh, tribal um, conflicts in, in mm. Black African countries where mm. tribal groups are, are killing and destroying one another. Um, so that that's why you see it's not always about race as we narrowly understand it as color, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. these are people of the same color fighting each other. It's right. about a deeper feeling of of superiority and inferiority, and um, so unless those fears, deceptions, and hatreds are challenged and named and and labeled and de- and described how they're operating in the world, you can't get to the fourth dimension of what Thurman talked about, and he used the word love, uh, but not in some kind of uh, Valentine's Day sentimentality. He's talking about a love that results from both the oppressed and the oppressor coming to an understanding of their equality mm-hmm. and, and their need to affirm each other's humanity, uh, as well as eventually embracing the ecology of the world. 
mm. far as an environmental standpoint, is mm. the love of self and neighbor in a in a, another world we live in. So how that how that gets uh, operationalized in so many ways that it would have to be operationalized, but unless there's an agenda for doing it, mm. it will never it will never get off the ground. Mm. Mm. It would always be um, the 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 piece of that it would always be like a match, yes. just a few feet away from a stick of dynamite. Until until those things are addressed, uh, the chances of of explosion is 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 there. And, and, and that's so profound what you mentioned, Jerry. And it seems to me that in terms of the the volatility, not only in that particular part of the world, but the volatility worldwide, as you've alluded to, it seems to me, I mean, I'm sure you've seen the last two or three days, the three three students that were visiting their friend in Vermont, and not to use the word trigger as a metaphor, but their existence did trigger uh, someone else's actions toward them. And yeah, was, they were wearing the, uh, the, the, the scarf that, that some people see as, as uh, symbolic of being a Palestinian. Right. So, so talk mm-hmm. talk a little bit about 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 those triggers because it seems to me that people are. We hear this word microaggression, et cetera. But talk about triggers that I think people are being triggered as we speak, as they listen to this. And how do we make sure that trigger does not m- manifest in terms of people t- taking up a, a weapon, but maybe triggering their desire to do yoga or yeah, uh, well, pray. Well, or... One thing to keep in mind that a trigger is that which ignites something that's already there. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so it's that the the trigger, that person who shot those three college students in Vermont, um, maybe was aware or maybe not or, uh, of, of, of his, and I think it was a man, mm-hmm. um, of his bias towards what he perceived as the enemy. And again, this this is this is the in, uh, this is the internalization of mm-hmm. oppression. Mm-hmm. Now, the three men got shot. The man had a gun. There was a power uh, imbalance of power there, but they were. But he, the guy who did the shooting operated out of an internalized view of himself being better than, more human than the three people he shot. They became objects, mm-hmm. just like the murder and raping and lynching of our people, the killing of, of the four little girls in the Birmingham uh, church. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we can cite so many other instances. All of that is behavior of people who have internalized a deceived view of themselves and of the world and of other, and other, and other people. And that has to be addressed, not only from a psychological spiritual standpoint, but also, you know, systems of racism has to have systems of anti-racism. So that's why you have laws and um, penalties for certain behaviors, you know. Um, so it's not, it's just not a matter of everybody being in pastoral counseling. That's that's not going <laughs> to, that's not going to be enough. It'll be, a, it'll be enough for some people, but we all need to live in a social structure uh, where the system itself is not perpetuating um, hatred, fear, and deception. And Jerry, you know, just on, <clears throat> just just one second. Yeah. 
just on that on that note, share with us about the because you're you're not just although ministers might be accused of just talking the talk and not doing the walk. You mm-hmm. you've been talking the talk, but also doing the walk consistently, and the evidence is there. You you have a bunch of receipts, as I'm sure your your, your wife wife would say. But 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 share with folks where even in this. If this might not be the winter of your life, but hopefully you and I will, will encounter a few more, few more winters. But in terms of the social work, your responsibilities at the Divinity School for grooming, teaching, sharing, uh, and, and impacting uh, people that want to get involved with the the, uh, the career of social work and and the possible solutions that might be that might manifest uh, by participating in your your program. Well, at the Divinity School, uh, you know we're preparing men and women um, for a a life of service, either through the institutions of religion, churches, faith-based organizations, or um, a life of service outside of a religious framework, such as in government, um, philanthropy, that that kind of thing. But at the the core, for me, at the core of that education is is self-awareness. Helping people to cultivate and develop how they can continue to grow and become aware of their own values and biases, and how to to then intentionally live a life that fosters the kind of um, hum- humanitarian, the kind of view of humanity um, that fosters this kind of equality um, in the spheres where they work and. For those students who are doing the joint degree in divinity and social work, as as I have, it's a it's a wonderful combination because uh, social work provides knowledge and skills about working with individuals or couples or families or groups or large communities or even nation states mm-hmm. around how to um, operationalize a value. Um, based programs and approaches that that indeed affirms the humanity and dignity of all people. Um, and that's hard work. It's everyday work, and it's understanding your context, how to use the resources of the context you're working in. But all of that is fundamental to the person knowing themselves and how they will choose to live their life uh, as a testament to the, a certain set of values, and that's that's broadly what I the work that I do with students and with myself. <laughs> when you're not on the golf course, right? Uh, well, well, the, the golf course has a way of uh, reminding you of of uh, your of the importance <laughs> of humility. <laughs> but let's spend another ten another ten minutes if we could, if you if you have time. Yeah. Uh, uh, just on the, uh, if I mention the word Fulbright, I want you to kind of share p- people about that because although that that particular senator was from the South, in spite of what you might think about Southern Southern senators, the the, the Fulbright opportunity, the Ful- Fulbright Fellowship scholarship, the to be a Fulbright Fellow, uh, that was really, uh, I think, seminal and instrumental for us to kind of understand that we're in a global a global society. So I guess you you had a chance to kind of uh, take advantage of that 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 government. Yeah, I, I was fortunate to be a, uh, what they call a senior Fulbright scholar, and I went to University of Pretoria in South Africa, 
I taught at the school of what's called practical theology. These similar divinity school, similar to the divinity school here at Yale, where people are learning how to lead as religious leaders in churches or outside of them, as well as in the school of social work at the University of Pretoria. And my major thrust then was going there to learn how the religious community was responding to the needs of people suffering with HIV and AIDS. Mm. This was 2000, uh, 2008. And I went, uh, I was there in 2008, 2010, and 2012, um, all centered around learning from uh, uh, Black South Africans, white South Africans who were involved in some kind of ministry, or what we would call it ministry or program, trying to meet the needs of people mm -hmm. uh, suffering with HIV and AIDS. So it was a combination of pastoral care, how do you sit with people who are suffering, how do you give them support, but also concrete needs such as food and clothing and, some, and housing and medications uh, at the time, because there was such an unequal um, availability of resources depending upon a person's social class, social, political, and cultural class. So like it is here and other places in the world, mm -hmm. some people have more access to those resources than others. That was certainly true at the time in South Africa. So that was a specific focus that the reason why I went, and of course being there for, for six months, you travel around the country, you get to learn more history about the country, about its diverse peoples. As we talk about a diverse place, I mean, South Africa is one of the most diverse mm -hmm. places on the face of the earth. Mm -hmm. And geographically, the entire United States could fit in the top half of South Africa geographically. Mm -hmm. It's so, mm -hmm. such a huge place. Mm -hmm. But um, it has a you know, different history and a different culture. Um, and uh, uh, the long history of tribal history amongst the different Black South African tribal communities is fascinating. Um, we were warmly received, but I, I must say that um, they understood or saw us as Black Americans and not necessarily Black Africans mm. returning <laughs> returning to to connect with their cousins. You know, too 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 much has gone under the dam water mm. in the dam for that kind of affinity, you know. Mm -hmm. But mm. it was it was a life-changing experience. And, and as to this day, I miss, I still stay in touch with people that I worked with there. Tremendous. Uh, but I, but I really miss, uh, hope to get, hope to get back one more time Good. Uh, before it's all over. Good, good. You know, I'm, I, and I'm, when you, when you referenced H HIV or COVID, I mean, the, there's just an, Two two clear examples where bomb diseases do not really respect borders, um, no. and we're in a global society. And my concern is, from a psychological standpoint, is that this Middle East situation is really infecting our, our consciousness in such a negative, in a challenge, in such a challenging way. You know, we know about the social determinants of, uh, of I, I say, the social, political, economic, theological, and even existential determinants of health. Our body mm -hmm. politic, of my standpoint, is is really being infected at the moment. And whether we can have an, an antidote or whether it'll become a pandemic is really a just just a you know a, a cognitive concern. I wondered if you had any 
me thoughts about that. You referenced how the the the, the uh, religious community, the, the the public servant community, can, can kind of rise up and do a uh, I don't know Jonathan yeah. Edwards Jonathan Edwards revival kind of things, but, <laughs> but but there seems to be a need for us to really kind of grips with this long history of Cain and Abel and and other issues that have been in you know Abraham is perceived to be kind of a seminal figure for many religions. So I just wonder if you had any thoughts about our our our, our body mind state uh, as we regardless of what, what age you are or wherever you might live on the planet. I'm concerned about us being infected. You know, negatively infected and right. long long term infected, and that there well, might you know, as I as I mentioned earlier about the letter to the editor, and I said we must all engage in being honest and telling the truth about the reality, mm-hmm. the origin is and pernicious character, racism, anti-Semitism, misogyny, and homophobia, mm-hmm. etc., etc., ripping the psychic soul. That to me means that the short answer is we have to promote, and you see this all over now in the internet and whatnot, we have to promote self-care. Mm. And self-care is includes that brutal honesty about our biases, prejudices, hatreds, our fears, mm-hmm. and our deceptions. But is self-care not just for the purpose of my emotional, physical, spiritual, uh, and emotional health? Is self-care in, in in service to humanity mm. because you know yeah okay i might be able to isolate in certain ways and take care of myself but i don't live in the world alone mm-hmm. what what somebody does in china or russia can affect my quality of life overnight mm-hmm. um so we have to think of our our, our, our global connectedness while we also take care, take individual responsibility for our own well-being. Um, and so that that means hopefully for some people having somebody to talk to, whether it's on a professional level or pastoral level or deep friendship, being able to really talk about what we're feeling and experiencing, that means taking better care of our health and diet and exercise. It, it, um, it, it means being able to discipline ourselves in such a way that we uh, become aware of how we are in a toxic relationship or a toxic mm. environment mm. and what we need to do to not only protect ourselves, but to eliminate any kind of toxicity. And I, I said to people uh, during the, the George Floyd uprising and, and subsequent murders of of black people, men and women, and children, that we have to even be careful how much we take in those stories. Not that we should ignore and not mm-hmm. be aware, but you can't listen to to those kind of stories and news twenty four seven. The concrete things people have to do to take care of themselves, because as you know, and we all say to ourselves, if you don't take care of yourself, you're not going to be any good for anybody else. So. Um, but but also part of self-care and service to humanity, um, in my view, self-care also helps you to listen mm-hmm. um, critically and deeply, uh, to find those ways of responding that comes out of a deep place of your own understanding and reflection and not always being emotively reactive. 
So um, uh, to be involved and be citizens in the world, even in your local community, requires really paying attention um, to what needs to be called out, addressed, uh, challenged, but all from that deeper place of one's own inner strength. Mm -hmm. Jerry, as we conclude, my, my, my typical, I, I shouldn't say typical, but I think you've, you've, you've uh, deciphered the, the, the method to my madness here. I want you to kind of cite a, uh, either a biblical story or a passage that kind of still resonates with you or, or that you think people need to consider uh, reminding themselves, regardless of their religious or secular perspective. Sure. Their, well, um, for those of, of your audience who are familiar with the, the creation story in Genesis, it's a commonly held story, or some people may say it's a myth. It's a narrative of, uh, of longstanding um, value in the lives of a lot of people, and it continues to capture our imagination. There's a story about when the first first couple was created by the creator, there was a point where the creator was looking for them and couldn't find them. And finally, uh, uh, there was a response. Yeah, we we heard you looking for us, but we didn't respond, said the first couple, normally referred to as Adam and Eve. Um, we didn't respond because uh, we were naked. And the creator responds with a question that is profoundly political, social, economic, theological, spiritual, psychological. The creator responds with, who told you you were naked? Mm. Mm. So what's the point? What is the reference point for your identity? Mm. You mean to tell me that, quote, as a symbol, you took your identity from some some from a thing that was called a serpent. Mm. <laughs> mm. The serpent told you who you were, mm. i.e., naked. So we have to really pay attention to the stories we've told ourselves and what is our reference point for our identity. Mm. And if those reference points are 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 dimensions that causes us to feel less than mm -hmm. human, less than mm -hmm. whole, less than equal to anyone else, then that, that needs to be challenged. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going back to the beginning of our conversation. The whole idea of people being inferior and superior and with the power imbalance of of people using their power to destroy other people because they don't see them as equal is the fundamental psychological and spiritual and political challenge we have faced uh, as a world. That's, let's let's, con let's conclude on that until until we do, until we do it again. Okay, we, man. I thank I appreciate it and thank you for all that you're doing. Well, I, I appreciate you and let's uh, let's keep, keep keep hope alive, right? As one of our good friends would say. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, man. Be well. Okay, thank you. Be well. Yeah. 
As I got another rhyme, another rhythm for y'all to listen. I'm never quitting on my mission. I'ma roll with what I'm giving. Got some ambition, this new addition, filling positions. Looking at devoiding myself and feeling what's missing. Better watch the way you're going. Better go in the right direction. In the moment you stressing, but you gon' be counting blessings. And I know that for certain. Keep on working, open curtains, haters swerving, cause they ain't ready for your final version. Whoa. I'm never gon' give up, give up. Fall down, I just gotta get up, get up. Yeah. You're listening to the Topic and Show on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, your home for community radio.